especially in today's market where inventory is low and there's not a whole lot for us to do aside from, you know, trying to get the listings and really, you know, send out your mailings, whatever you're farming, whatever you do for your marketing plan and campaign. That's all good. That's all well and good. But I think getting out there and immersing yourself in activities, other jobs, even volunteering and getting out of the community is a great way to network, build connections and contacts. You found the Real Estate Law Podcast. Because real estate is more than just pretty pictures, and law goes well beyond paperwork and courtroom arguments. If you're a real estate professional or looking to build real estate expertise, then welcome to the conversation and discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com. Welcome to the Real Estate Law Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We have a really fun episode today and a dynamic guest. This is Johnny Welsh. We're speaking with Johnny all the way out in the Breckenridge area in Colorado. Johnny is in the middle of a move and he was worried about his background, but I said, Johnny, real estate, that's what it is. Everyone's always moving around, right? Boxes here and there. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have a fun conversation today about finding clients in unconventional ways. Getting into real estate or you're in real estate, you mm. never know where the clients are going to come from. It's not just online leads. It's people in your sphere of influence. Johnny has a lot of great ideas as to where he's finding his clients these days. So we can't wait to get into that. Let's introduce Rory Gill as well, our co-host, Rory Gill from Next Home Title Town Real Estate and Urban Village Legal in Boston. Hey, Jason, I'm also hoping all of my agents are going to listen to this podcast and hear ways that they can work their sphere, sphere of influence and find clients You know, when they're going out and about in their business. So my agents, I hope you're listening. I would be extremely disappointed if you don't make this podcast required listening to your agents, Rory. Mandatory listening. I want to come in and see their, I, their iPhone. I want to see it. Their, their notes, everything. yes. Yes. They have to write a five-page paper afterward. <laughs> um, Johnny, welcome to the podcast. Hey, doing, guys. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Yeah. So, you know, you're an East Coaster, right? I was reading up on your background and, and yes. you, you moved out West. Um, maybe you became a ski bunny or something along the way. Tell us what happened. Yeah. I'm originally from uh, South Jersey, Atlantic City and the beaches. Yeah. And um, I had just returned from working overseas in Italy in 97. Didn't have much going on after that. My brother was out here in the mountains. He was building houses in Vail. And he needed a lot of help. He said, I got a place for you to live. I got tools. I got a vehicle. Come on out. And uh, I just packed my car and kept on driving till I saw mountains. <laughs> is that how it happens? Or is anyone really from that area or has everyone moved into the area? Everyone has moved into the area. There are some locals that I do know of, but I've even heard stories of people who are driving across country to get to California. And they broke down here in like the 70s and 80s and 90s and they, they just stayed and never left because it was so nice. <laughs> Yeah. How could you fight the, the view of the mountains? I'm sure that there are some views that you see every day that we see, you know, a couple of times in a lifetime. I'm very grateful for that. Actually, today I was driving back from Leadville and I looked around. And I said, man, this never gets old. Yeah. yeah. Honestly. So, yeah. And the prices out there, you know, we were just talking before we hit record. I was looking online, you know, it's jaw dropping. We think the Northeast is expensive, but man, what were you just telling us about that studio that you saw listed? Oh yeah, Studio Breckenridge for seven hundred and fifty thousand. I think it's about six hundred and forty square foot. Yep, it's it's slope side though. It's right on the lift. So slope side crash pad for eight hundred k. Not bad. Yeah, yeah. 
Rory, you know, we were talking about uh, finding clients in unconventional ways. You know, t- why don't you start a little bit about how you you've coached some of your your agents into finding clients? I'd love to compare notes to Johnny, and then I want to hear you know Johnny's story because he's taken it to a new new level. I'd love to have you know I teach all, my agents a lot of the same things, and I'd actually love to hear pushback or challenges if I'm off in the wrong direction. But when somebody looks at building up a real estate career, they need several different inputs, several different marketing streams in order to have a full-time real estate business. And what you do is which marketing channels you pick are going to depend on your market, your interest, your personality type, and all of that. But one thing that's in common to all real estate agents is having a sphere of influence, the people who already know, like, and trust you and finding ways to work with them and, and build with them. And some of that isn't as complicated or difficult to really conceptualize as you might imagine. You have a a group of people who know, like, and trust you, but those people come and find you because you're out and about in the community. You're doing things that you already like. You might have another profession. And that's where you're going to accumulate these relationships that you can serve as a real estate agent in the future. So people who I know, well, I know Johnny's story of, you know, working in a restaurant and bar, and that's a great way. And I, I know of a couple real estate agents here in Boston who have built followings, loyal followings of clients that way, but they come in other professions too. I mean, dog walkers or really anything that kind of gets you out and about in the neighborhood during the day and actually seeing people face to face earns you that relate those relationships that you can use as a real estate agent. And that certainly beats as a primary marketing channel, anything you can really just do online or anything that's kind of contrived and intentional, just being yourself out and about in the community is probably the best thing you can do to, to build a client base. So that's my long way to saying that's, that's what I teach my agents. And that's what I'd love to chat with Johnny about today and see if he agrees with that or in, you know, certainly his insights and how you can take that idea and run with it. Yeah, I do agree with that for sure. Especially in today's market where inventory is low and there's not a whole lot for us to do uh, aside from, you know, trying to get the listings and really, you know, send out your mailings, whatever you're farming, whatever you do for your, uh, your marketing uh, plan and campaign. Uh, that's all good. That's all well and good. But I think getting out there and immersing yourself in activities, other jobs, even volunteering and getting out of the community is a great way to, to network, build connections and contacts. Volunteering. That is yep. an excellent idea. Like, have yep. you done, have you found clients in that manner? I've got some, uh, some, some interest, but not no clients just yet, so to speak. Uh, two weeks ago, I was volunteering at the library in Silverthorne, right next to Breckenridge. And um, I have my little pens that I make up and everyone has to sign in and sign out for the volunteers. So I put a few of my little, you know, real estate pens down there, you know, the real nice pens. And I didn't say anything to anybody. And I just worked there all day, helping carry the big boxes of books in and out and un- unload the boxes. And it's, it's a fun, it's a fun activity for me to do to volunteer anyway. And I had some people look at the pens. They go, wait a minute, is that you? And I started mm-hmm. laughing and that was an icebreaker. And now, and now we're actually uh, in talks, but nothing solid yet, but it's a, it's a good lead. It's a good start. Yeah. You know, if you do an event with somebody for a day, if you're volunteering for a day or an ongoing thing and people get to know you or they meet you for the first time there, oftentimes if you're volunteering alongside people, they're all there for the same purpose. And then you get talking, you build a relationship, maybe you get drinks or something afterward, or you stay in touch. And, you know, when you slip that pen or have it drop out of your pocket and suddenly they're signing a piece of paper that realizes you're a real estate agent, you never know where that conversation is going to go. I mean, you know, it could simply be somebody grabs your pen and says, you know, my sister's about to sell her place. You know, and I like you, like I should, I should pass her along to you. That's probably Mm -hmm. how it works. 
Yes, that's not a bad idea. And a lot of times it's never how you think it's going to unfold. It may not be the people that you're working with and volunteering with. Like you said, they could know somebody. So it's not who you know, it's who they know. Yeah. Tell us about the restaurant. I mean, the first thing we started talking about when before we hit record, you, you mentioned it. And I was like, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned that. That's kind of where I thought the conversation was going to go. How are you involved with this restaurant? Um, you know, why'd you start there alongside your real estate career? And, and how are those two things connected? I've been bartending for 30 years. And uh, my whole goal in life was to transition out of that eventually into a real estate career. And I achieved that 12 years ago kind of doing both simultaneously. And then I actually put my notice in a couple of years ago to be finished with restaurants, but that's when COVID was hitting and things were going crazy. And my and my, my friend who owns the restaurant is a good buddy of mine. And he really didn't have the staff to help him continue with the restaurant. So I'm, I stayed on board and I'm only there a couple of nights a week, but that is where I'm getting, I've actually gotten half of my deals in person at the restaurant because I'm sticking around to help out where there's a, there seems to be a nationwide shortage of employees as well. I don't know how that's possible. I just, that's the, what I'm hearing in the underground as a bartender and people respect the fact that I'm there to help and they like that. And then they, they open up and tell me more about their lives. And I learn about what they're looking for or what their friends might be looking for. And I've had a couple of deals actually close. That's the longest two weeks notice I've ever heard. <laughs> it's been great. I mean, it's, it's the money's been great and it's, it's fun to get out and I do enjoy it. And it's mostly, it's a restaurant. So it's a yeah. fine dining restaurant. So I'm behind the bar at a restaurant. It's not like a bar bar where you're not really, it's, it's different at a bar bar as opposed mm-hmm. to a restaurant bar. And um, yeah, it's been fun. And, and I, I like getting out and being social too. And it's paying, paying most of the bills right now. <laughs> people, uh, people really trust bartenders, huh? I mean, they'll tell they you do. things. Yeah. It's weird. They do. They ask me the weirdest questions over. Oh my God. I can't even tell you sports, stocks, psychology, everything from where to park and you name it. It's been asked. Yeah. <laughs> Is it true that you could hear every conversation at the bar, you know, that's going on all at the same time? No, I, maybe some people can. I don't know. I get so busy behind the bar right now. Cause there's a lot the, the tourism has increased, probably almost doubled. And then the staff has decrease by almost double. So I'm always busy making drinks. I do hear a lot. I hear more than I should, but you know, I always just tune that out or I can, I can engage if I want to, if I have the time. Does Breckenridge, is it the kind of town that swells during the winter, you know, where the population grows by a lot of, by, you know, multiple fold because of tourists coming in? Yes. The winter and the summer, there's actually more to do in the summer as far as hiking, biking, rafting, kayaking, fishing, hunting, you name it. There's, there's more activities. If you think of it that way, the summer and there's more, there's more traffic through the tunnel on the way up here to Frisco, Breckenridge Vale area in the Mm -hmm. summer than there is in the winter. You know, I'm not surprised to hear, we all know about the nationwide uh, staff shortages, especially in service industry jobs, but we have a place on Cape Cod in Provincetown, and it is tough to get employees at some of these Cape Towns. They used to rely on um, uh, people coming from outside the United States coming in, and over the past couple of years, that opportunity has been shut down. I don't know if there's a lot of immigrants that are working in Colorado, but, um, you know, when you add kind of an expensive place to live with a, a lot of tourists coming in and the labor shortage is amplified is, is what we experience here. Yeah, that's true as well. We had the J1 visas coming in to help out at the ski resorts and they loved it because it was their off season or vice versa. And they loved it. And we loved it because we had the excess staff. Cause I also bartended at the ski resort at Copper Mountain too. I helped out there one day a week. 
So, I mean, I, I recommend that to not just in the, in the restaurant business. I'm sure there are other industries that are really in needing of help of some, you know, staff, employees, whatever. And if, and if things are slow because inventory is low, get out of the office, get out and about and see who you can help. By helping them, it may help you. Hey, Rory, are you surprised to hear that Johnny's getting a lot of clients from behind the bar? No, not even a little bit. These are the kind of things that, you know, these are the kind of professions that actually go hand in hand um, in it. I keep using the dog walking example, um, but running a little shop, working in a cafe, these are things where you're interacting with the neighborhood, um, you know, all day, every day in a very natural way. You know, as a, as a real estate agent, if you're just a real estate agent, we put up all these promotions and we try to generate all these reasons for people to come and interact with us on a day-to-day basis. But you're having people come to you at the bar or in these settings. And that other job is performing the hardest part of the the real estate profession for you. So like, I wanted to kind of get back and down into some of the tactical issues, what, you know, what you do. So, you know, when you're people having these conversations with you, how do you drop the idea or mention that you're a real estate agent in conversation? That's easy because if they're locals, one of the questions they almost always ask is, "Hey, what are you up to?" Mm-hmm. That's simple. And I, I'm like, you know, I don't really, I don't really pound it too much behind the bar about real estate. I say, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, doing this. I'm, I'm moving into a new house right now, helping my brother with a couple of remodels, and you know, yeah, and I'm, you know, to get my real estate career, you know, up to where it should be. And that's just a quick icebreaker. And if they're not locals and they are visitors, guests, or out of state tourists, and they, they ask, you know. So what else do you do? Is this your only job? And right then and there, it's very easy. It's very simple. Those icebreakers are almost embedded because people that come to a restaurant and they want to sit like at the bar itself, a nice restaurant, they're looking for more than just the quiet dining experience. They're looking more to be you know, engaging and have conversation and find out what the, what the pulse is like in the local, local town. So, you know, when, when these conversations, you know, starts to happen and you get into it, how do you keep track of it? I mean, do you run home and do you enter them into your CRM? Do you just kind of take notes at the bar or is it, or does, do all these relationships live in your head? No, I write the, I write the information down on the back of old receipts. <laughs> okay. I, usually, I try to exchange contact info. I get theirs and I give them mine. And I, I really don't, I don't push that too much at the restaurant because I'm actually there to, yep. you know, to serve them, you know, have a nice dining experience. So I really don't want to, to, you know, to mix the two too much. So I just get a quick number, a quick email, something like that. And then I'll touch base with them afterwards. And then once I establish what they, what they want to do and where they are in life, then they can go into my CRM. Yeah, you know, you also probably take notes and say, was a good tipper. You get to know a little bit about those people. Yeah, um, yeah, true. I'm from New York, just outside New Jersey, on the northern side of the state, so right. just over the border. But I feel so much New Jersey coming out from you. Oh, also. yeah. And the thing about Jersey, like, you know, I love New Jersey. I lived there for four years. Like, I grew up so close to New Jersey. Like, I think it gets a bad rap by a lot of people. Yeah, Everyone it does. knows it as the Sopranos, and that's about it. But, like, yeah, we know it's yeah. a lot more than that. Or the, sure. or the Real house, the real Housewives. I feel the Jersey coming out of the screen, and I say that as a good thing. Because yeah. I think that you obviously have an outgoing personality that you're able to, you know, work a bar, have that presence behind the bar, meet people, and then get clients, get them to trust you to actually do a real estate transaction. I feel like that's a very Northeast way to do it. We'll be right back. Every other real estate rental property deal analysis spreadsheet is wrong. 
the only spreadsheet that correctly analyzes your real estate deals taking into account reserves, true cash flow, including depreciation, and your true net equity on a property is the world's greatest real estate deal analysis spreadsheet from the Real Estate Financial Planner. Download a free copy today and finally start analyzing your rental properties correctly. Go to refp.info forward slash free to download it today. Yeah, it can be. Uh, it's it's funny with the Jersey thing. I've been out here 25 years and I get called out almost every shift. Where are you from? Jersey, New York? Because I'll say things like water instead of like water. I don't know how everybody says mm-hmm. water or whatever. Anyway, they'll, they'll call me out on that. And it gets, I don't know if it gets worse when I have drinks or better. <laughs> depends on who you ask. The water is is a South Jersey thing. That's, <laughs> yes, that's closer to Philly. Philly. Yeah. Philly yes, exactly. That's very different. Yeah. That's fascinating. Tell us about some of the people that you, not, not by name, but you know the types of clients that you've gotten from, from working the bar uh, that have turned into real estate clients as well. Like, Have they been easy to work with? Have they been challenging? Um, you know, Somewhere in between, like, what types of uh, real estate projects are they looking to buy? Are they investors? Are they, you know, what's it like? They are from all walks of life, a lot of different states as well. Some of them are actually second home, or first homeowners in Denver looking for a second home up in the mountains. And I'd say typically they are, in my experience, a little easier to work for than the actual friends that I help. The friends that I help out, oh boy. And they know it because I let them know. And we share, we, uh, we joke about it after the deal has been closed. But they've been, the people that I meet at the restaurant and they're new, new friends, new clients, they are, for me, easier. Mm-hmm. Friends can be tough, you know, (laughs) yeah, you you know, you have, you have one relationship as friends and then suddenly it's a business relationship and you're not, your relationship wasn't founded that way. And, you know, you never know how you're going to react. Whereas when you're starting with somebody from a business perspective from the beginning, uh, you know, maybe it's a different foot from which you're starting. Sure. This is fascinating. Are there some other ways that you've found clients over the years? I mean, you mentioned that you did, you started building houses a long time ago. Like, does any of that spill over into your current work? Oh, yes. There's always some, uh, some cross reference with uh, construction and real estate. It goes both ways. And um, yeah, I, I just helped my brother out part time. He's a master carpenter. He lives out here still, and I help him when I can. But another one of the ways, and this was totally inadvertent how I discovered to you know, transcend this into real estate was uh, the fact that I've written three books and I'm a published author. And there's some tactics and techniques that I learned in the publishing industry that can that can help with real estate. And one of them is, I'll say it right now, just because we're talking about it, it's called H-A-R-O, Help a Reporter Out. And there are various topics that they, they ask queries for. And I would usually read through the queries to find out if there's anything in there related with book publishing, author, even bartending. Like I've responded to bartending uh, articles and gotten public. I published a men's journal on a bartending uh, article. So and I wasn't in real estate full time just then. So I just mentioned the bartending and my books and that went in the actual article. So that plugged my books. But now I can actually plug the real estate too now. And there, I see a lot of real estate questions too coming up. And uh, I answered one of those and I'm in conversation with having that being published right now. So that's a, that's a cool little thing that's it's free. All you have to do is just read the queries. And if it's even if it's something that you're not real estate like related, 
like dog walking, like you said, if someone says, hey, dog walking query, you can respond to that if you're a dog walker, dog lover, what tips, what tricks, any training ideas, treats that you use for the dogs. You can talk about that. And at the very end, yeah, my name is, you know, Johnny Welsh, dog walker, also real estate. And you can plug that. You, you never know what's going to happen with that. I haven't had anything come back in just yet, but it's, it's a lot of exposure and it's free. So it's a fun thing to do as well. Yeah. Building that credibility is important because then you could point to it as well. You know, yeah. when people yeah. are saying, hey, who, who is this guy? You can say, hey, I was quoted in this article yep. or I was just on this, this news segment. Um, I, I actually had heard of Help a Reporter Out. Rory, I think I signed you up for that a long time ago and then just never followed up with it. Something I forget. I'm glad you're bringing this back up, though, Johnny, because it's been off my consciousness for a long time. Sure. It's just another idea right now about like the things are slow with not a lot of inventory. Just read through some queries. You never know which what can click with you if you have any kind of idea, expertise, and any kind of idea, topic, or article. And you can actually have some fun, you know, engaging in that. And at the very end, you know, hey, you know, if you want to look at some real estate in my area. I know the neighborhood, I know the markets, blah, blah, blah. And you plug it at the very end, see what happens. Put your contact info. I actually want to ask a question about you know, how you manage your, your relationships with when somebody comes to you from one channel, you know, either they're a friend of yours or they come to you and they, their first interaction with you as a bartender, how do you pivot that relationship into, you know, being the realtor? Well, I find out what they want, what they're looking mm-hmm. for, you know, their likes and desires. And I'll, I'll let them know, say, Hey, at the, at the restaurant too, I can say that's upon parting. You know, guys, I'm off tomorrow. If you want to go look at some properties, I know all the neighborhoods out here. I know, you know, I know what's good, what's bad, pros and cons. Let's take a ride. You know, do you supplement your real estate business with other marketing channels, your social media, paid advertising, anything like that? I do. I have a good social media presence from the uh, the author and the publishing companies. And so I, I, I can kind of, you know, I, I insert things every now and again in there and I'll, I'll have a photo, a closed deal, something like that. And uh, I do uh, subscribe to um, some leads from uh, Realtor.com. So that's been doing all right for me as well. And then I also want to ask a couple, I guess, leading questions about um, what happens, you know, when you get busier and busier as a real estate agent. Um, one of the questions I kind of get asked a lot is, you know, when should I become a full-time agent? I have this other job and I, you know, want to leave it and demote devote more time to real estate. Obviously in this situation, if, this, if that other job is a, major source of your your real estate leads that's not something you'd want to give up so if you have you know time commitments with one job you want to build your real estate practice how do you envision yourself growing because there are a finite number of hours in the day true that's very true that that's that's a tough one to juggle every now and again you know you, you can't be accessing your phone and texting and emailing and, and when you're when you're trying to bartend it doesn't it doesn't work my friend's the owner I wouldn't want to do that to him. And that's not what he expects as far as his level of customer service as well. Yep. So, I mean, put on one of those autoresponders on your email or your voicemail saying, you know, I'm, I'm out of area. I'm out, I'm out of service or I'm out of you know, communication for the next few hours. I will return your call or your text as soon as I can. And when you when it's either slows down or you're done working, get back into your text and follow up. You may miss a couple, but I think you're going to benefit more by putting yourself out there to get the leads that have been panning out. Like for me, the restaurant, you know, I've had the deals close 
from people that I've met and, you know, and, and now we're great friends. In fact, I can see him now. He's texting me now as we're talking. I don't know what he said. I can't read it. But yeah, my buddy Jake just texted. He was the first client I had behind the bar and we're great friends now. When, when you get a new client or close a deal, do they get a free drink at the bar or you buy them a drink? <laughs> I would be happy to buy them a drink at the bar. Absolutely. <laughs> <What's>, <laughs> I joined them afterwards too. <laughs> what's your best cocktail? I like to make martinis. Yeah. Yep, I actually have. You're from the the Boston area. It's called a Boston Speed Shaker, and it's a tall metal shaker and then a short metal shaker, and they fit inside. And you seal that up, and you get the ice in there. You shake that real hard. It is nice and cold. Even has little ice chips in the very top. We call it the ice rink. Wait, do you so you put you put the ice inside the one in the on the inside? Is that how yes, that works? So the ice stays cold, so it doesn't dilute. Yeah, put the ice in there, you put the vodka, you put whatever else they want, whatever kind of martini they want. You cap it off with the Boston Speed Shaker, and you shake the heck out of it. <laughs> Are you a, a gin or vodka guy? I like vodka. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like gin. Rory doesn't like the gin martinis, though. No. <laughs> no. A little Tangeray, Bombay Sapphire. I'll take any of those. I could do a gin, too. I can go either way. Depends. That's my mood. <laughs> do, you, do you find that the best customers have a certain, a certain drink? Are they beer drinkers? Are they cocktail drinkers? Oh, well, they have their own drinks that they stick with. I don't know if it's, there's a certain type of drinker that buys them those. I have no idea. Yeah. That'd be good. Uh, that'd be good uh, demographic to find out about. <laughs> and at the very least, you can put a bottle of champagne with your new your new customers when they get their house. Absolutely, right? absolutely. Champagne, bottle of wine, whatever they like. Yes. Yeah, I love your sensibility. I mean, you know, one thing that is evident to me is the personality comes through, right? And I think that like. I'm not a real estate agent myself. Like Rory's the agent, he trains the people. But you know, I, I I could see some of the successful agents versus the unsuccessful ones, and and the successful ones have some charisma. You know, they have like something that makes them you know very different. They're willing to go speak to anybody. They can play off and have a great conversation. They're fun to be around. They have they're smart. You know, like these are all. Traits, I think, that are relatively common with a lot of the real estate agents that do well, because it is a people business, just like what you're doing behind the bar. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, so before we get to our final questions, why don't you tell us a little bit about the um, the the market that's happening out in uh, in Colorado, in Breckenridge Vale, that area? What's it like? It's, it's I guess, it's like everywhere else. If I'm the national headlines that I read, the local headlines, and what I'm experiencing, it's a lot like everything everywhere else. Where you know, rate, uh, mortgage rates are increasing, interest rates, uh, inflation is going up. Uh, we're starting to see a few more listings than normal, which is mm-hmm. you know that, that's good for the market. Yeah, but right now inventory is low. It's very low. The demand is high. And you know, we're all, it's a, a lot of realtors, you know, you know, working to make the living you know, with the you know, the few listings that are out there right now. Are there a lot of short-term rentals in these markets? Airbnb? Yes, there are a lot of short-term rentals up here. Yes. And there, a lot of the towns have passed uh, ordinances or regulations on them. Um, there's still some uh, areas that don't have the regulations, but they're talking about it. And yeah, it's it's a concern up here, especially with the lack of, uh, you know, staff, employee, housing, all that stuff, everything. Being a beautiful part of the country, are you seeing influx of remote workers taking advantage of the ability to work from anywhere? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Not surprising. I mean, we're still seeing that in a lot of the uh, markets surrounding Boston. Although a lot of people are coming back to the city all of a sudden, you hmm. know, with uh, you know, COVID kind of goes up and down, and right now, 
you know, right. we're in a bit of a lull and, and the city is all of a sudden hot, but yeah, Cape mm-hmm. Cod, the mountains in New Hampshire, Vermont, yeah. you know, people yeah. moving to Maine. It's yeah, it's tough these days everywhere. And you look at a, a, a place in, in Colorado that's surrounded by mountains. There's not many places to build, right? There's true. big mountains yeah, there. True. Yeah, yeah, especially our other one down here. We've got the National Forest. You've got the steep cliffs behind us. you got the, the lake, the reservoir, and I-70, Interstate 70. So it's it's very limited areas of to build. Yeah. We have a big ocean to the east of us. You know, so there's <laughs> I know it well. Not many places to build there. Yes, you do, being from the, the Jersey Shore, Atlantic City area. Hey, uh, was there anything we didn't uh, cover that you want to talk about today, Johnny, or any final words uh, before we get to our final questions? No, I think we had a good a good conversation about the markets and, and new new techniques on how to get out there and get some clients. Yeah, I love some of the stuff that you said. I think that you know if you're listening to this and you're wondering where to get leads, if you're a real estate agent, you know having a second gig or a side gig or a volunteer thing is not a bad thing. It's a way to get out there to meet more people. I mean, I think it's it's really a numbers game. Um, the more people that you're meeting and the smarter that you are, the more you know charismatic you could be and work those conversations. Uh, I think the better off you're going to be because then you're just getting yourself out there more just like Johnny's doing and he's connecting his multiple gigs together. That's what work is these days, right? It's multiple yep. gigs. You know, you do this and you got your side hustle and you have your side thing there. And then yep. next thing you know, they're all connected somehow. And I will, I will add to that real quick that not only you may get some clients, but you will be helping out a local business nearby that needs help as well. Yeah. And that, that yeah. is important these days. We yeah. see they will help one of the signs up and down, you know, yes. all the streets around town. You know, a, a day, a week, two days a week, you know, there have to be a lot, even a few hours, you know, when it's, whenever it's slow time for you, it's, it's good yeah. to help and get out there. You never know what can happen from that. Well, why don't we move into our final questions? We ask these of all of our guests that come on the podcast, just as a way to close things up and get to know you a little bit better. Uh, our first question is if you can get on stage for a half hour talking about any subject in the world, not real estate, what would that be? We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Alex Brayshaw. Join me as I celebrate the positive impact of business and what drives the people behind it. It's a chance to hear from business leaders, emerging sectors and industry influencers about their unfinished business in just 25 minutes. Oh, wow. I I guess I know bartending the best because I've been doing that for 30 years. But part of that bartending was the fact that I love to travel. And that's why I chose to be a bartender for my most of my life. So I could talk about travel for a good half hour. I saw that you spent some time in Italy. I did. Yeah. So yes. you must speak Italian pretty well. I was more fluent uh, years ago. I just I don't speak it that much in, you know, at the bar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, now, were you fluent in European Italian or Jersey Italian? Uh, a little bit of both. <laughs> Yeah, I go back and forth. One's a dialect, one's a standard. <laughs> yeah. Our second question is, tell us something that happened early on in your career or your life that impacts the way that you're working today. Wow. I'd have to say that when I graduated from Syracuse University, I was supposed to go to chiropractic school and be a chiropractor. And because my degree, actually about the Italian, my degree was in Italian literature, language, and culture, I had applied to an internship to go help out at a castle in uh, Tuscany, doing some research for them and working in the vineyards and olive groves. I applied to both. That summer, I got accepted to both 
I think it was in the same week. So I, I was torn. I was 23 years old and I was terrified. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. Do I go be a doctor, chiropractic, or do I go run in the hills of Tuscany with the wind in my hair? And I chose to go work in the castle. And because I made that decision, that is when I began to write. And I've also been a writer since then. No regrets, right? No, no regrets at all. Nope. No. Love to travel. I love to meet people. And the bartending was great for that. But also with the travel, because we had the beer closed for the, the slow seasons. It was great in Colorado. So, yeah, it all worked out great. And, you know, and now, I'm, like I said, I've been transitioning for 12 years, the past two really full time in real estate. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm learning the ins and the outs and I'm having a good time with it. Yeah. We spent time in Italy, or I spent time in Italy after college, just on a, on a you know two week tour. Then I went back one other time. So I've been to Tuscany a few times, Siena yeah. and yes. San Gimignano and yep. Orvieto. Is that there? Is that in? Yes, in yes, Tuscany? it is. Yeah, yeah. And and I too was supposed to go to med school. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Oh, what a great decision! If you're yeah. listening to this and you're coming out of college, you don't have to go into the field that everyone thinks that you want to be in. No, nope. that's great advice. Go run, go um, run the hills of it, uh, Tuscany. <laughs> <laughs> go find yourself in your 20s, right? The final question we have for you, Johnny, is tell us something that you've been listening to, watching, or reading these days. Oh, I um, when I was volunteering at the library a couple of weeks ago, the ladies were telling me, oh, yeah, this audiobook's amazing. It's, it was a, Michelle Obama, Becoming Michelle uh, audiobook. And so I went next door to the library and checked it out. So I've been listening to Michelle Obama for the past couple of weeks in my car. Rory listened to that one, right? It's been, I listened to that one a little while ago, but that was a good one, yes. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm really liking it a lot. It's nice. That's it's a good story. We, Rory and I share an Audible account because we're allowed to, same household, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> not stealing. And um, and it, there'll be books that he downloads or I download. I'm like, oh, did you download that book? And the Michelle Obama one, I think I downloaded that one, but then you listen yeah. to the ones I download. Because I don't get to them because I don't have a long drive. You just download them. You don't listen to them. It doesn't really count if you don't listen to them. It's like, hey, if you buy books, like you, you know, that's a good thing. Like, even if you don't read it, you buy it. You have the intention of reading it, right? True. (laughs) (laughs) Potential energy or something like that. (laughs) Oh, I write nonfiction humor. So it's pretty much sarcastic, bartender, ball-breaking kind of fun. So (laughs) my first book was about the uh, legalization of marijuana in Colorado because we were the first state. So I did a lot of research in that area and talked about both sides of the equation because, I mean, I really don't like I don't really partake like I used to and uh, I don't really care. I was serving alcohol for a living, so I had bigger fish to fry. So I compared the two and that was a fun book. And that's gone over to sell about over 10,000 copies and it's won two international awards. My next book, because of the bartending and the traveling, was a travel book. It's a travel journal, a photo journal. And my girlfriend at the time and I were traveling for 17 days. It was a road trip. And we had this idea, it was like a dare, to see who could unplug from their smartphone for the most time or the longest time during the 17 days. So we unplugged our phones. So we had to get paper maps to travel. We couldn't use our phones. We used to be kind of like throw out technology for a little while just to like really embrace life. And we joked about it and called it paper maps, no apps. And lo and behold, when I was journaling that every day and we saw how we were people, people were responding to us and like we were changing their perspective during their, during our stay with them. 
and they said that and they it was it was amazing so that was the idea to make that a book happened on the trip and that became a book and that's won five awards and i'm very grateful for that very fortunate that there's won that many and it's because of my editing team but that was fun to do and because we don't spend our times on our phones that girlfriend is now my wife because we listen a little more than we used to so that was that was a fun book and then the third book i wrote during the pandemic and it was called toilet paper crisis wipe away those fears and that's a comedy on scarcity mentality which could also transcend transcend into real estate <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we go through a lot of shit pardon my friend my sorry bartender <laughs> You know, they're available on your website, johnnywelsh.com. Uh, yes. I'm sure they're available at your favorite independent uh, bookstore if you'd like to buy them, but you do have links to yes. Amazon on here, and um, yeah. that's an easy way to buy them. Excellent. Well, that's great. You know, so uh, we'll look forward to checking out your your books. Uh, I'll admit I have not read them because I uh, have seven-minute drives to work, so it makes it really <laughs> difficult, especially with a three-year-old, but I will. So it's let's, on let's Audible, too. That that's what Paper I'm going to do. Paper maps, no apps. It is on Audible. We'll do audible. All right. Whenever we have guests on that have books, uh, and we've had guests in the past, we always do yeah. other books afterwards. So, yeah, oh, great, thank you. <laughs> hey, Rory, uh, where can people find you if they're want to want to talk about real estate in Boston or law or anything else you had to say? I mean, unless I try to go 17 days with um, no apps, you can probably find it pretty easily um, at Urban Village Legal, UrbanVillageLegal.com, or Next Home Title Town, NextHomeTitleTown.com. And Johnny, we, we, I mentioned johnnywelsh.com is your website. Anywhere else that uh, you haunt these days that people can reach out to you? No, that's it. That's my site. That and my Facebook page and Instagram, that kind of stuff. You want to plug the restaurant or leave it up to? Yeah, yeah. come see me at Fifth Avenue Grill. That's on the corner of Fifth and Main. People always call and ask where we're located. <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. The Fifth Avenue Grill is on Fifth and Main. Yes, ironically. Yeah, behind the bar there, Fridays and Sundays. It's great. Come say hi. Oh. Awesome. Go see how to Johnny. We'll, we'll do that next time we're out in Colorado. Thank you so much. I really appreciate all your insights. You know, I think this has been a great conversation talking a lot about uh, some unconventional ways to, uh, to find some clients and, and what's happening in the Colorado real estate market. Awesome. Thank um, you, Rory and Jason. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you. And thanks for everyone for listening. Um, if you've enjoyed this podcast, we'd love it if you can give us a review on uh, iTunes or wherever you listen to this uh, or give us a rating or comment. Uh, and if you want to reach out to me directly, you can get me at jason at nexthometitletown.com. And that's it. Thanks so much for listening. It's been the Real Estate Law Podcast, and we'll talk to you next time. This has been the Real Estate Law Podcast. Because real estate is more than just pretty pictures, and law goes well beyond the paperwork and courtroom arguments. We're powered by Next Home Title Town, Greater Boston's progressive real estate brokerage. More at nexthometitletown.com. And Urban Village Legal, Massachusetts Real Estate Council, serving savvy property owners, lenders, and investors. More at urbanvillagelegal.com. Today's conversation was not legal advice, but we hope you found it entertaining and informative. Discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com. Thank you for listening.